Hello, hello, and welcome back after a month or so hiatus uh, to another episode of Spirits Rising, where we challenge everything we know about faith. Uh, we are back. We are back from uh, a, a summer of uh, travel and events and uh, just all around busyness. And uh, we are we are tired. But as always, uh, I am your co-host, Dunk. I use they, them pronouns. And I'm your co-host, Divi. And I also use they, them pronouns. What are we talking about today, Dunk? Today, I think we're talking about uh, something that is pretty much the, 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 the start of our, of our big summer of uh, SEM excitement, uh, which is, uh, of course, Cahoots, the Cahoots Festival, which uh, has been going on for quite a few years uh, for the SEM. Not the game Cahoots quiz. Yeah, not, not Cahoot, not the game Cahoot, but the Cahoots Festival. This was my first time attending in person the festival. I went to like the online version for the first time ever during the pandemic, which definitely was not the same at all. But this is my first in person cahoots. It was really cool because we got to see like other SEMers that we never really talked with in person and only on video. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this was my first cahoots experience, bar none. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Really, I, I was not necessarily part of the, uh, I, I was definitely not a part of the, like, committee to, to organize Cahoots, but, but you were. So for me, it was uh, meeting a lot of SEMers and SEM alumni uh, for the very first time. Mm, yeah. I, it, it's funny, because, like, you're talking about me being on the organizing committee and like even the organizing committee the first time we ever met in person was at the festival like yeah <laughs> we did all our organizing on video chat on zoom online yeah oh my god which gosh. is so much fun i'm having flashbacks <laughs> so i'm not not great but that's always the case when you're organizing like a big event it's like there's gonna be some rough patches <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a, a very, very stressful time for you, as far as I could tell. Yeah, especially because, like, a lot of responsibility was given to me, and I didn't have the experience to, like, back that up, um, which mm -hmm. wasn't a secret. Like, folks knew what I was coming in with, but there were moments where, like, I... There was one moment in particular where I almost missed, like, a big key thing, which was, like, getting insurance. And I think you were in the car with me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like on the phone with the insurance company on the way to the festival <laughs> trying to get the insurance. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's a coping mechanism. I'm laughing because it was so stressful. Like the whole festival could have not happened if I didn't get the insurance in time. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a terrifying. You were on the phone. I, just like, oh. uh, I remember hearing it's like, yeah, we need this insurance to start like tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, fully. Like, I remember the day I realized, like, I I didn't, I don't, okay. Adulting is very new to me. I don't understand insurance. I don't understand any of that. And when I saw that we had to have insurance, I thought, like, this was something that SEM already had. Because we have insurance, but I didn't know it had to be, like, specific for the Cahoots event. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't want to talk, I don't want to bore viewers with the ins and outs of the organizing and <laughs> insurance the policy. Yeah, the the obstacles I faced. I had literally traveled to the insurance office like in person to like walk in and like see someone and be like, I need this now. <laughs> and then on the way there was that those phone calls. But yeah, we cannot talk about insurance any longer. Um as someone who was participating for the first time in cahoots, like what were your overall feelings about it? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I went in kind of, kind of blind, uh, to be honest. I, I had no idea really what to expect. Um, I, I had heard that Cahoots was very similar to, uh, the Skylight Festival, which started in, like, 2015. Yeah, and, uh, as, as they officially called it quits. Um, we got the email about that, uh, literally, the last day of Cahoots, like, when we were driving yeah. back, we got an email saying, yeah, no, uh, yeah, see, like, uh, not see, what it was like. Uh, Skylight Festival has been postponed indefinitely and will not ever be coming back. It's, it's just, it's, it's dead. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I, I had been to a few of the Skylight Festivals and they were like 
faith justice DIY similar to Cahoots, but it was also like a music festival. So there was a lot of like live music performances and stuff like that. And that seemed to be like a big highlighting aspect of it. I I, I came to think. Um, so yeah, I guess I was expecting more like music festival vibes, I guess. Um, you know, it was also like, uh, Skylight, like, that, it took place on, like, the Paris fairgrounds, and, like, there were people that camped out and stuff like that, and, like, yeah, you'd stay in, like, tents or whatever on the fairgrounds, um, and there was always, like, yeah, there was the festival going on, and it was, like, yeah, lots of cool stuff, there was, like, you know, bars and stuff where you could get, you could buy beer and, and such, um, because it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a music festival and stuff, but that was not the case for Cahoots, Cahoots was, like, it took place, um, on a uh youth uh summer camp uh yeah and i think they were a christian facility too yeah i know they were summer camp yeah um united church affiliated i believe uh because of all the united church stuff that was all around um and uh yeah the pierce william youth camp um yeah and we like stayed in in cabins um like in in youth cabins um there was like graffiti on the top bunk of my of my uh bunk bed like middle school middle yeah there was actually there, there was uh there, there was this like one graffiti saying like um was it uh i think it was like joe was here grade 9 2012 and i remember thinking about that and i was like oh i started grade 9 in 2012 or no no i i i no it was um no, it was grade eight, twenty twelve. Sorry, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I was in, I was in grade eight in twenty twelve. So that like, I, I might be the same age as this person. Age. Like that's yeah. yeah. So that that was kind of a a cool moment of sorts, I guess. Um, it was kind of just like a weird, weird aspect. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it was uh, it was quite an adventure. We went up a couple days early. Um, and I kind of helped out with some of the the prep stuff with you guys and your like core organizers um made a bunch of of covid tests everyone everyone tested uh upon entry for for covid um, I, would, I gotta say props to the covid committee i was on it too mm-hmm. <laughs> i was on like all the committees it feels like yeah but which is actually that's not true it just felt like a lot of work but they we did a really good job like during a pandemic like to just make sure that everyone was safe and having like good protocol for an ascent for a gathering like that like for a camp like i think we did really good yeah and i think we had like 70 odd people come out to to cahoots and it was really cool it was really amazing um yeah we got to see like people that we had yeah only ever talked online to um you know sem members like uh like johannes and and uh friends of sem like nick and uh emma and stuff yeah it was like super cool to just like yeah uh get to see people in person and like we ended up sharing a room with a bunch of people that we only ever met on screens yeah oh my gosh that was a good bonding experience and like i Mm -hmm. wish that we could do so much more of that and just spend more of that kind of time together would be so cool um and like on top of that stuff i actually really enjoyed the sessions um Sheila McGlynn, who's an SCM fr- friend, and um, also, you know, we know through doing other things as well, like, she ran, like, a journey dance session where it was, like, it was, like, a spiritual, like, it's dancing, but it's, like, a spiritual practice. So, like, it's one of those closed things where it's, like, you, if someone was staring at you, you'd feel awkward about it, because, but because we're all just kind of, like, moving our bodies, like, to this music, and she was kind of, like, um, facilitating this and moving us through it, like, it was very, like, meditative and beautiful, like, I had some great meditation sessions at the festival, and then there were also really good, like, intellectual sessions, so I got to, like, think and be spiritual at the same time, like, I don't know, I really love the sessions. Yeah, there was um, uh, one particular session that I went to uh, with Peter, um, and it was run by uh, by Ash, who is uh, this really cool, super badass uh, anarchist, uh, trans femme preacher uh, from Wisconsin, I think, or not, not Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Um, and she was like super cool, and she was a yeah, she was a PhD uh, student in theology and has been doing this research on uh the concept of like the holy fool 
And so, uh, yeah, they uh, ran this super cool session on what is the Holy Fool and what makes a Holy Fool and stuff like that. And it was, like, this ongoing history of, like, early Christianity and such. And it was, like, I, I really nerded out on that. It was really fucking cool. Yeah, they're amazing. Like, I unfortunately didn't get to go to their session because as an organizer, I was just other places during that session. Mm -hmm. But that's one I really wanted to go listen to. And it sounds like an amazing concept. We should ask them to be on the podcast and talk. Oh, about we're it. definitely going to have them on the podcast. I, I've already yeah. talked about that. Okay, we got to set a date for sure because they're amazing. I wish again, it's like these amazing people I meet, I wish were more readily accessible in my community and like close by so we could just like go hang out. Mm -hmm. um, and Ash is definitely one of those people. Like I felt like, I don't know. I felt like maybe it's just that there's such a, to me, it seemed like they were a very warm, like easily, it's easy to get comfortable with them kind of personality. And I like to think that I'm the same way. So I felt like, I don't know if it was both sided, but I definitely felt like I got super close to them um, pretty fast. And I love the conversations that we all had together. It was, it was really great. Yeah, same here. She, she and I uh, ended up at a couple nights actually just having conversations until like three in the morning, um, just talking like all throughout the day. It was crazy. Um, absolutely, absolutely love Dash. Uh, absolutely love Ash. I don't know why I'm putting the past tense there. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, uh they actually had their own their own podcast at a certain point uh she uh had run a couple of of podcasts in like the leftist community in the early day of podcasting and uh interviewed people like noam chomsky and stuff um which i found super cool and interesting yeah wow i'm really trying to think back to like honestly it's hard because like you said we have done a lot of stuff um We've done a lot of stuff We've done a lot of stuff between then and now, between cahoots and now. Um, so it's really hard to remember the details and recap those. But like the biggest takeaway I have is that cahoots is something I definitely want to keep doing. Um, and I remember you even you mentioned you were like, I'm down to like even help organize it next year as well. And um, yeah, I just love that type of gathering. Like I wish I I really wish we could have more of them. It's just not possible. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hard to organize such big things multiple times throughout the year. Um but yeah, hopefully enough uh you know next next May uh we'll we'll have another cahoots and uh yeah, I think I I heard from someone that some of the core team asked if I wanted to to help out and I um I am putting it on the record here now. I said <laughs> yes. I am more than happy to. Um yeah. so yeah, I'm looking forward to whenever that starts up. Yeah, and I wouldn't highly encourage folks listening if you're a student, even if you're not a student, it's like kind of for everyone, this festival, but um, if you're interested in spending time in like an SEM group and you're willing to commit to being away for a weekend with people you don't know, um, but they're very warm and welcoming people, then I think Kahoot is a great place to kind of like submerge into the kind of progressive Christian environment. Um, if you're not too anxious about being a bunch of being around a bunch of like new people at once because um nick for example who we said we want to be on the podcast like they like i've only met them once and i think they're a classmate of yours dunk uh yeah they're they're a colleague of mine um in the mps program at emmanuel college um and yeah nick is absolutely fantastic they are they are one of the the one of my favorite people um in in our emmanuel college cohort and uh yeah i just absolutely love nick adore nick um Aww. yeah they're they're super smart um they grew up uh in the roman catholic tradition and uh uh actually were i, I believe they were on track um to be like to to join the cloth uh to to be a part of the parish and and part of the, oh, wow. the roman catholic clergy and um became very disillusioned i think uh by certain mm. aspects and also by their own um you know queer identity and such right. um and so now they're kind of on a a new path uh i think very closely tied with the unitarian church um which is quite a quite a different vibe from the roman catholic uh diocese mm -hmm. yeah um i bring them up also just because like i again i've only met them once and it wasn't for an scm thing it was just kind of like we ended up at the same event kind of thing and 
to have someone that you know I had never really engaged with to then all of a sudden been like sharing a room with them and volunteering with them and just seeing how like dedicated they are to uplifting the Coots Festival even though they weren't an organizer like they were down to volunteer for things and like super helpful and I'm like man that we need more people like that like in the SCM world to be more hands-on and you know, keep the movement going and stuff. So it, I'm really, I feel really blessed to have spent that time with them um, and with Emma and Johannes as well and all, you know, a bunch of other folks that aren't SEMers, aren't student aged, but are like more families. So like there were families there with kids and they're, it's amazing to see their kids actually because um, again, everyone who's here is like very progressive. So they probably raise their kids in a way that's very different from how either me or Dunk grew up. And their kids were extremely like not shy. They were like very confident. Very, very bold, yeah. Very bold. They didn't have any sense of like, I'm a kid in this adult space, therefore I need to shy away, which I think is kind of how I participated in older spaces as a kid but everyone was very confident very eloquent very intelligent and yeah it was amazing to see yeah yeah a lot of these kids they were like you know 12 13 14 years old and they were like very very like incredibly verbose uh bold uh well-educated uh like very well-read kids who were like more super than me into, like yeah some of them <laughs> they honest. were like really hard into communism and anarchism and stuff and like you know just socialism in general and they were like super well versed in some of them like you know one of them was like literally reading um uh trotsky and another one was like you know working his way through marx and stuff and i was like yo this is fucking lit like this this is i i didn't even get into that kind of stuff until like grade 11 grade 12 um and these kids are like yeah just being raised in it and it was yeah it was really inspiring to see we also were involved i would say uh in a different way not in organizing but we actually got to partner together and run a session um and how do you feel about going into that because i feel like the session is very relevant to our podcast for sure uh yeah definitely um yeah it, it is i i think very relevant uh we originally wanted to have it as like our our first ever uh live show however yeah. uh we didn't test all of our of our tech stuff together um the way that we would have it uh at Kahoot. so it didn't really work out super well unfortunately um but uh yeah we did we did run this session um and talk about uh sort of tech and ministry and like sort of digital media and yeah we can definitely definitely get into that because it, it's uh i think something that's been on our minds quite a bit uh in i guess sem programming in general uh, especially during the pandemic and uh also i mean that's kind of just what we do here on this podcast every every you know every episode yeah and i must say the title we had because it was quite quite oh, yeah uh, it, was, it was pretty fantastic dunk came up with it of course um i think it was divvy and dunk's digital daydreams digital uh ministry. yeah i'm trying to figure out where it is it's not in this it's not in our documents about the the thing it's not no because um, we originally had a different title yeah but it's yeah it was uh divvy and dunks digital daydreams comma not comma sorry colon um engaging with n new ministry and digital media or some of that yeah. or like engaging something in ridiculous digital and media and new ministry <laughs> yeah it was very long very convoluted um yeah it was it was quite a meme and uh i i quite enjoyed coming up with that and just making the most convoluted long ass title i could yeah i would say it went really well like and we made a good team because as dunk was setting up the tech stuff i was like engaging in the folks in our session because yeah you're like of course, working like, the crowd yeah like it's not like the podcast where we just talk right like there's people there and we didn't want to just do it as if it was the podcast but with people there because then like we're not utilizing all the resources we have including the participants who are there so in the podcast we were gonna include the voices of those people in the audience um but you know it didn't work out but as dunk was figuring it out i was talking to folks um in our little group and actually, we had a wide range of people who who came to our 
session, which actually made it really educational, I think, for everybody. Like there was one person who was a pastor, I think, and just wasn't interested in in digital ministry. So I actually found it interested that they interesting that they were there. Um, there was one older person who was not in ministry, but like listens to podcasts sometimes, but again, isn't really totally in the digital age. And then there was a younger person who was highly involved in social media, but has those boundaries with it. And then there was like one of the younger kids, like one of the 13 year old kids, I think was there too. Um, yeah, I think it's like really interested in like podcasting and like content creation and like radio broadcasting and stuff. Yeah, so everyone had a completely different feeling towards media um, and what it might look like for ministry to be shared, I guess, through these different new forms of media. Um, what was your favorite part of the session? <laughs> um, I, I think my favorite part of the session was, uh, you know, talking about um, different aspects. Uh, Ashley, we mentioned as well, um, like, oh, yeah, uh, was also there uh, talking about things. And so um, they actually, uh, following up from our, our conversation, actually uh, did a complete overhaul of their um, I guess, uh, digital media, social media presence, um, and like redefined all of that, um, in, in, in the following month or so. Uh, and I was kind of honestly following that online. Sorry. Yeah. I was honestly shocked because the, the question they asked in the session was as if they had no experience with digital ministries and like, they were asking a very baseline question, which I thought I could answer to. But then after when we connected on Facebook and, you know, we're finding out more about Ash outside of just being in the space with them and starting to learn more about their the history and the work they've done. It's like they have more experience than I do in like digital ministry. And like they they've done uh, podcast stuff and and they're very engaging on Facebook, I would say, which is not a medium I I'm necessarily uh, very skilled in, but it's a medium they're skilled in more than me. So I was actually, sh I was surprised that they felt they needed um, to ask advice from us. I was like, wow, like you seem actually like you're pretty good at socials. Yeah, it was, um, I, 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 maybe it's weird putting them on blast a little bit, but like um, I was absolutely blown away when I found out that they were um, in their 40s. Um, and, uh, that, I think that explains the, the Facebook aspect, but, uh, they mentioned that, like, they, they had been on Facebook, um, since it was open to the public, um, you know, after it was, uh, only, it used to only be, uh, for certain American Ivy League universities, mm -hmm. and then they, they made Facebook public, I think, in, like, 2007, 2008, and, uh, yeah, like, she's been on Facebook literally since then, so... You know, she's always been like engaging in this kind of stuff, but they've never, they've never fully like, I guess, had any sort of like critical engagement into what that means, right? So they're really interested in in uh, what we were talking about. But yeah, I think they were asking a little bit about like authenticity online and like being authentic. Honestly, I don't remember the questions, but I do remember there was a lot of talk in general about authenticity and how authentic do you be while drawing the right boundaries? Because um, mm -hmm. it is very vulnerable to like just speak your truth online and have other people judge you yeah but like something we talked about with the importance of is like new media which is digital media um is the first time in in human history that um you know average consumers of media have also had the opportunity to be publishers of their own content and they're able yeah. to write and engage uh with their own content rather than just consuming professionally produced content like you would find on tv or radio um or even newspapers and books um you know older forms of media were very one-sided but uh in in the new age and in, in new media you know you're finding this huge explosion of of you know content being created because literally anyone can create content right and so when you're being kind of forced into that um, or when you're participating in that, you know, uh, without any sort of, I guess, experience or history, you know, with it, with it or any sort of critical engagement, um, you know, questions do start to arise, right? Like, uh, like authenticity and, and, um, how you are presenting yourself and how you're being perceived, you're, you're suddenly aware of those things. And so, uh, finding that right balance is, is quite something. Yeah. 
That's like the that uh, running joke, I guess, that like every millennial cis white man has a has a podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like talk their shit. Uh, and I honestly, it's kind of why I don't use Twitter because it just feels like there's so many voices and just like nonstop opinions on like different things. It's, it can be very overwhelming. Um, and I can only imagine what, what it's like for, um, we were talking about the concept of dim digital immigrants and digital natives. Was that the concept? Yeah. So, uh, a key concept that I'd become aware of, uh, when studying, um, you know, digital literacy and, and new media, um, is this sort of generational gap. Um, when we talk about, uh, immigrant versus native, uh, we usually think about geographic location. But um, in new media, it's actually a generational divide, uh, which is, you know, if you are a digital native, that means that you have grown up and been raised in a space that is utilizing digital spaces. So people like us would technically fall under that under that category. But our parents and people older than us, um, you know, they would be called digital immigrants because they had to adopt um, the use of these after being raised and uh i guess sort of nurtured in in a world that didn't have uh this digital media and, and new media so um you know their their understanding of it their um intuitiveness with with technology um you know the, these aspects are limited and even the terminology and literacy that they have with it is is uh limited or different than what we have um so it's it's um there there's a certain barrier to entry based on how old you are and, and I guess what you were raised with. Mm -hmm. It's probably connecting to like why you say Ash is very talented with um, using Facebook and engaging with Facebook. Uh, whereas with me in, in, you know, SEM stuff, the engagement on our Facebook is not the best, um, which is unfortunate because we have a lot of SEM friends and people on Facebook that it would be a great tool to utilize. Whereas the things that I'm, I want to say, um, kind of feel more natural if I put some more skill into it I could probably be even better at them but things like YouTube uh Spotify and things like that Instagram TikTok it's like being there from when these things started becoming popular um mm -hmm. and right at their conception and kind of growing with the medium um really helps like in another episode of this podcast we talk about um uh, you know learning G German and being on level five Duolingo and you can communicate maybe with other like level five Duolingo German, you know, speakers, but it's really hard to communicate with the native German speaker because of how fast they talk and same with French. Right. So it's probably yeah. similar for digital literacy. If you grow up with a certain form of media, it's going to be really easy. And if you don't, it's going to be really hard or you're just going to have to put a lot of work into understanding and learning how to use it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, you know, uh, most of my work uh, in the past few years has really been in and utilizing digital spaces and, and new media, um, you know, doing podcasting work and, uh, you know, making videos and uh, publishing content and, and, you know, even dumb jokes on TikTok going viral for some reason, um, providing me much more human attention than I ever deserve. Um, you know, I, I'm... Part of the reason why I like engaging with this stuff is because I am sort of figuring it out from the certain way, and I, I, I do like, you know, I guess exploring different mediums. Um, mm -hmm. But like that, that is me kind of exploring certain things that I'm, I'm, you know, newer to. But, you know, when I look at my sister, uh, Connor, she literally like, you know, she has live streamed, uh, you know, playing video games and stuff like that, and like, you know, done all this like content creation without this idea of like critical engagement or anything just because it feels so natural to her and you know and, and the thing is with her tech skill um when she's like not thinking as critically as i am when, when engaging in this content you know she's running fucking circles around me right and it's that, that that's a difference of only four years but yeah. even those four years are enough to create this this new experience with the engagement of technology um, you know, I, I remember I, I remember when we first got a computer in our household um, and it was, you know, um, it was when I was like nine years old. Right. And so Connor was like five 
And, you know, she doesn't even remember that time, right? So, you know, from her earliest memories, she's been engaging with technology. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy to see that, that even the difference that four years can make. Mm. And I guess, like, then, ta- again, talking more about ministry, it's like the, the clergy, the folks who um, are trying to maybe move their ministry online, if that's something they're interested in, most of them probably will be digital immigrants. Um, maybe with the exception of a few mediums or younger clergy and things like that. And, or, I don't know, not, I've realized also not everyone thinks that it's important. Like that's one of the main takeaways I actually had from our session is that not everyone felt it was important for them to go online, um, which I think is fair. I feel like if you're going to take on an endeavor, like being online, you kind of have to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, but you feel like it's important, then you just need to get someone else who enjoys it to run that for you. 100% yeah I think there is a certain level of joy that needs to be put in there but I mean you know work is work and you know especially for um I mean the thing is we we don't we don't ever think of worship as content creation but I mean it it really is it's it's creative framework it's a dramatization (laughs) of of the gospel no no but it is I mean like and and this is there there are many theological scholars especially in, in the field of worship and liturgy that do talk about you know, worship is a dramatic, um, it's, it's a dramatic presentation. It's, 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 it's a dramatization of, of the gospel and that's what it is. Right. And so that's why we have the certain elements of celebration, of prayer, of petition, of thanksgiving, of, of, uh, you know, engagement and, uh, community leadership and, and all these things. We participate in this because it is a dramatization of the gospel and it is, it is a proclamation of our faith. Um, so in this way, it is a creative endeavor and is content that is being created on a weekly basis. And so you're going there to see this dramatic presentation and to take something away from it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, in, in the new age, it's it's really difficult to have a meaningful engagement and to have an ongoing um, participation and enthusiasm for this content if you're not utilizing the tools in which to make yourself visible in the modern age. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be that when a new congregation was, was forming or, or when a congregation was getting a little low in numbers, uh, you know, back in, in my dad's day when he was on, um, you know, United church, uh, boards and councils, um, you know, they would put an ad in the paper, like in, like when we were living in Brampton, they, they would put an ad in the Brampton guardian and, that would get some attention because people would read the newspaper, right? And they would see the ad for um, this church and be like, okay, well, you know, we're kind of looking for for a faith community or something. Or like, oh, you know, there's something engaging in that little uh, classified about this church that sounds, okay, this is maybe something that we'd like to experience and see and, and, you know, maybe be a part of. In the new age, that's on social media. That that is in in new media and digital spaces. And so, if you're not utilizing those, then your congregation is going to, it it, it won't grow. Mm. It's as simple as that. So you need to be engaging with new media in in some way, whether that be you as an individual, as as you know the pastor or whatever, um, or hiring someone or getting a volunteer in the community to do that for you. Yeah, I think also like audience matters like who are you trying to grow amongst I guess like for example Mm -hmm. if you want to create a congregation that's like just elderly ladies then maybe you don't need to go into digital ministry in order to grow your congregation maybe you need to go like visit a nursing home or something or yeah sure yeah so I think like if if you're if the person you want to reach is someone who reads the newspaper then you're going to put your ad in the newspaper but if the person you want to reach is someone who you know the type of person who would be on Facebook or would be on Instagram or be on TikTok which right now feels like most people in the west um if you want to you know reach that mass majority of people and it's probably like actually a really easy way to reach people then i agree like digital ministry is so key if what you want is growth um another thing i really enjoy about sharing gospel on the internet or through media um is that it really is like dunk you i think you were the kind of the person who used this comparison but like of a soapbox and like or like standing in the street corner and just like 
making announcements or like stating some things. And I think one one thing I, I kind of compared it to when I was talking to uh, Peter Harrisnape, who's one of the CUDS organizers, um, was the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus kind of like talking to a bunch of people and just preaching, but face-to-face communally, but there's a crap ton of people, like 5,000 people. And that today is the internet or like a TikTok. Like there's clergy on TikTok. Precisely so, yeah. Yeah, where they're like preaching about a specific issue and then it goes viral and it's, you're spreading the gospel like on digital media for sure. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it's so vital, I think, for progressive Christians to be utilizing these spaces because, you know, what is old media saying about us? What is, what is the current media narrative that we are not participating in? Mm-hmm. what is that media narrative uh portraying about christianity and and the thing is the the only people making noise the only people being heard in ether the only people being talked about or publishing content are these you know insane right-wing biblians um that are creating this idea of christianity as being anti-progressive or anti-woke um or specifically as as um you know hateful organizations and it's um you know that, that that's not what christianity is that's not what christianity as ever sh- should ever mean to be um mm-hmm. the fact is is that there are um truly revolutionary um aspects of the gospel and there there are truly progressive um interpretations of of many passages in the bible and you know we as progressive christians i feel like have an obligation to fight back against the narrative that is being portrayed about us um, because we're not participating in that narrative. Mm -hmm. But with new media, we have the opportunity to be content creators. We have the opportunity to publish our own content. You know, we can make our voices heard, just as you said, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, using the soapbox and getting up on the soapbox and shouting through a microphone or, um, you know, uh, same as, uh, you know, Jesus on the Mount, like, you know, speaking to the 5,000 people. If Jesus never went up on the mount, nobody would have heard his message. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, right? Um, so you need to you need to just get out there and and voice these things because there are people around the world who are who are voicing this idea of Christianity that just isn't it. Yeah, I think we both have different perceptions of like how our brain kind of categorizes and understands these different versions of Christianity or specifically like when we're talking about um I'll just straight up say it like white supremacist evangelical Christianity which like Christianity in the west as far as I understand it is rooted in white supremacy just because that's the legacy of how it was brought to this country like and how it was brought in a lot of places yeah. is through colonization um but the difference is that there's a lot of Christian denominations now that are striving to be anti-racist and haven't for a really long time. Um, I know that you're a big fan of, uh, you know, not referring, not seeing those people as Christians, but rather you call them Biblians, um, Mm -hmm. which I definitely respect that perception of it for my brain and how I categorize and understand it is I definitely still categorize um, those people as Christians just because of the fact that like, that's what they call themselves. And I feel like, one thing that people need to understand whether you're seeing that as valid Christianity or not, depending on, you know, what title you want to give it is that, you know, religions in general or belief systems aren't monoliths. Like it's not just going to look like one thing. There's going to be extremes on both ends and there's going to be stuff in the middle and all that kind of thing, kind of stuff. And like what you're saying is totally right. Like there's so much viral videos going on for conservatives even outside of religion, like the algorithms, algorithm drama is big in our day and age, right? Like how much Facebook and YouTube can influence um, election results because of how much you can um, honestly convert people to a certain side by showing them only a certain type of content is so big. And like you said, like it's important for people like us to make this content because we need our voices to be caught up in these algorithms as well. Like we need our stuff to go, well, maybe not to go viral, but we need our, our voices to be in the mix. Um, there's one particular person that 
has been showing up on my feed a lot lately. And I specifically watch them because I want to see what the other side is kind of saying. Um, and that's just kind of further perpetuated the algorithm for me, which is like super cringy. But the things they say about Christianity is like mind boggling to me. I think I mentioned to you, um, they had like a message to Christians or a message to the church. And their message was for folks to stop being involved in anti-racism and eco-justice, but instead they should just be focused on attending to souls, to which my commentary is like part of, attending to souls is making sure that our relationship with the environment is right and our relationship with each other is right which includes being anti-racist like the the perception yeah. is just so different and in my mind so warped of like what for me christianity is and what spirituality is in general so hearing these voices online just further like we've had this conversation like it makes us even more want to keep creating more and more content because we want to have our say like you said like we don't have to just listen to this we can publish our own stuff and say what we want to say too exactly it's like we we have the opportunity to produce this content to uh let people know in different communities uh around the world but primarily in in canada um you know that that those who you know have a christian faith or those who are of faith but also believe in these political um you know progressive uh values that you know you're not alone there are people who are you know working together there are organizations that are that are putting in this work and uh you know there are communities that you can join um and that's part of the the, the value of online uh and new media content as well because you can engage with people in these digital spaces even if you're not in the same geographic location as them right yeah. it's it's vital you know for the you know the the one you know trans kid in in uh in dallas texas uh who feels alone and uh isolated you know digital media allows for the building of community uh for support and for help and for guidance and um you know that it's it's life-saving it's life-affirming that is that is attending to the soul right um and doing this work attends to souls as well but um that's a whole other whole other talk um yeah what i what i maybe probably could do is i i could like just give like a brief rundown of what i mean by like when i refer to people by biblian not 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 as a point to like you know try and yeah, prove right or whatever but just like a, a no i'd love to hear it you know just just a brief rundown yeah um I mean, in, in the broadest, the broadest definition of what a Christian is, is a Christian is someone who lives their life in a way that is informed by the teachings and practices of Christ. We are Christians, we believe in Christ, we follow our lives in, in the wisdom of Christ. That is what a Christian is. But what we find with a lot of these conservative Christians is that there is a reverence of the Bible as the holy text, um, which, you know, they, they believe the entirety of the Bible to be the unadulterated word of God, which the Bible never claims to be and sure as fuck isn't. Um, the, the Bible is consisted of, of two main categories, which is uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament. The New Testament is the Gospels of Christ, uh, which is where we find the teachings and wisdom of Christ. Um, and then the Epistles, which shows early Christianity after the death of Christ. Um, and the emergence of such and, and followers of Christ by the difference of one generation sort of guiding early Christian peoples in figuring out what it means to be Christian and, and what it means to come together and congregate as, as a church. And then, of course, there's the Revelation, um, according to John. And, um, you know, these, these aspects are, are important to the Christian faith. The Old Testament is completely uh, the book of laws and the Torah um, and companion uh, narratives from the Jewish faith, which was Jesus's faith. Uh, it is the, the, they are the original people of the covenants that we are adopted into as Christians. And the reason why we have the Old Testament is to provide context 
for the teachings of Christ as he was an informed Jewish scholar. So a lot of his teachings are in reference to a lot of things found in these other books, and a lot of the historical references are found in these books. So what the Old Testament is, is it, it, is, a, it is purposely put there to help us understand what Christ is teaching us when he's referencing certain things in the Gospels. But when you see the entire Bible as the unadulterated word of God, that is when you start to worship the Bible instead of worshiping God and following a life informed by Christ. And that's where we see a lot of these Christian, uh, conservative Christians moving towards or already in that, that sort of ideology. Um, so that is why we call them Biblians, because they worship the Bible, as opposed to worshiping God, informed by Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think I it's really important to, to state that, because the way that they are engaging with Christian texts and Christian doctrine is so far beyond any understanding of what it means to be Christian, that they cannot ethically be calling themselves Christian. Mm-hmm. I think what informs a lot of our perspective on this and um, is that I think you're uh, categorizing it as like a theologian, which makes sense, or as someone like, you know, with a firm opinion on what it means to be a Christian because you yourself are very firm. Well, I'm, I'm just assuming things here. Are, are, you know, you're associated with the United Church of Canada. You have a very clear Christian identity. Um, well, it's not even that. I mean, like it is, it is quite literally the broadest definition. Like if you look in the dictionary... The definition of Christian is someone who lives in a life informed by Christ, not yes. someone who follows the Bible and worships the Bible. Yes, I, I guess in my perspective, I kind of see these as from like an anthropology lens, um, which is like as an anthropologist, you would never assert or at least how I was trained, you would never assert or name a group or title a group in a way that they wouldn't call themselves. So if someone asserts like, no, this is how mm -hmm. I understand that. Like, so like the approach we're taking it is like completely different. Whereas I'm kind of seeing it as an anthropologist, I guess, which I could also be wrong. Maybe there's anthropologists who also would not see it that way either. But um, if a group self identifies as like this title, then you would like accept the title and accept whatever terms that they associate with that t that title in order to understand better understand that group, um, like more authentically or more closely to how they see themselves. I guess um, at least first, like when you're first looking at that group. So um, yeah, I think that's why I do that. I think that's why I uh, I label them as Christians just because that's what they call themselves, um, and that's fine with me. Like if you want to call yourself a Christian, then that's I mean, I guess you, you do what makes sense for you and how you perceive being a, what Christian is, like, and that's what you perceive it is, then sure. Um, but, I, like, even if you're not a Christian, um, you should know that b being a Christian doesn't look like one thing. Like, it's not one thing. So mm -hmm. when you see it, this rhetoric online about, you know, um, Christians who are very hateful and um, very conservative, not necessarily those two are the same thing but at least in popular media they definitely tend to be um i think that it's important to know and be like i know it's like, like oh not all christians but it's it's difficult it's a difficult topic to navigate because like i said like a lot of christianity right now is rooted in colonization's version of christianity which is rooted in a lot of hate unfortunately and pow mm -hmm. power hungriness and all those kind of things but it's just important to note that like Christian Christianity is a wide group um, and there's a lot of complexities and nuances in that um, yeah, and just, just with yeah. any ideology yeah with any ideology it's like that so hearing a dominant voice of certain you know conservative Christians or white Christians white supremacist Christians and it being like oh that's what Christianity is is super damaging to like people who want to maintain their Christianity and maintain their religion and their practices and their spirituality but are queer or you know so it's painful and annoying to see all that type of media yeah it truly is and unfortunately what it what it provides to you know the secular majority, uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, of North American culture, um, is it, you know, this, this media narrative, um, you know, from an outside perspective, 
provides a false sense of not authority but a false sense of understanding i would say mm. a false sense of understanding of what it means to be christian or, or just yeah this one narrow-minded idea of what it means to be christian um you know in the same way that like if someone were to say they're communist someone being like oh so you're like just like stalin or whatever right and it's like well stalinism is is a type of communism sort of um like a real bastardization of it but you know it's it's kind of the same way right like it's it's mm. it provides a yeah a full sense of of knowledge into a complete image uh from an outside perspective and and that is that is where it becomes really dangerous because then you know when you are a progressive christian and you know come into secular spaces and you know or, or queer affirming spaces specifically i think where a lot of people have a lot of religious trauma in some ways um, yes definitely you know you can go in and be like yeah I'm, I'm a queer person of faith um you know you are suddenly ostracized from from certain communities for that you know certain queer spaces uh, because of it and that's where it becomes really dangerous because then you know queer people of faith almost feel a dualism of identity mm-hmm. and and it's almost like you have to pick what space you want to be in do you want to be in a faith affirming space or do you want to be in a uh, queer affirming space that is inherently anti-theological mm-hmm. right um not anti-theological like heretical but like anti-theological like we don't we don't like theology or we don't like religion mm-hmm. anti-religious I, I guess yeah and i've always definitely taken up the position that like or at least so far i say always as if i'm not 23 and have had varying opinions <laughs> growing up um but I think that for queer people, it, it you heal however you need to heal, and that can look like leaving the church, and I think that that's okay. I think another thing that these Christian, like alt-right Christian spaces do is that they articulate as if there's only one way to be and one way to live, which is something I also really don't enjoy, is they're like this, they do that whole like um, obedience, high morality, and we're the only ones who know what the, what morality is, and we are the people with all the answers, which is, should always already be a red flag if you're reading content. Mm-hmm. Um, if people kind of pretend to know all the answers, that's already a big red flag. But it's what a or lot. If of... you read the, the the teachings of Christ, you kind of it's kind <laughs> of a red flag when people <laughs> claim to be a, a moral authority because that is quite literally just what the Pharisees do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know one one of the things I love and hate about the internet, and I think TikTok is a great example, just because that's what I'm most familiar with. But I'm sure it applies to all platforms. Is that because everyone has a voice, you can literally see what anybody thinks. That can be damaging for a lot of reasons, but also very helpful. You can see what other opinions are thinking. But the bad part about that is, again, algorithms. So if you even delve into it a little bit or you might lean a bit one way, all of a sudden you're really cloud, your judgment becomes extremely clouded and all you're hearing is this one perspective and you can get sucked in really easily. Yeah, there have been multiple um, studies and, and experiments showing that, like, you know, engaging with like one um anti-trans video can very very quickly uh lead you to like it it is a direct pipeline to alt-right uh white supremacy content mm-hmm. um you know you can you can see the span of the the algorithm uh creating that 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 pipeline within the span of with like less than three days you know and it's it's insane yeah. It is. It's really hard. And of course, you know, these algorithms are specifically um, designed to keep you interested and engaged with the app that you're using, because the, the, the more that you use, say, TikTok or, or YouTube, you know, they, they want to use these algorithms to keep you on their website as, as long as possible or on their app as long as possible, because that generates more ad revenue, that generates more, more click revenue um, for them. And that, 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 that's how these websites make money. So they want to keep your attention for as long as humanly possible. So they're going to recommend you and they're going to put up, you know, videos for you um, that are going to provide whatever is going to keep your attention. So really, I mean, it is it is a capital driven pipeline towards hate. Yeah, I've seen that study as well. And it's it's hard. And I wonder, maybe you have more thoughts on this than I do from the perspective of someone who's kind of going into ministry. Um, what does it look like for people going into ministry to then take up space on these platforms that are kind of 
a part of this game, whether you're intentionally playing or not, um, your video then is, or your content is now part of this algorithm somehow. Well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, like it comes to using hashtags and, and the keywords that you use and stuff like that and the images that you have. Um, when you are actively engaging with this hateful rhetoric to dispel it or um, to disprove it or debunk it, um, you know, people who are also debunking it or also criticizing it, um, maybe from a secular lens, are going to be recommended your video, which actually comes from a point of faith um and you know debunks it um in in a in a theological way um that provides context into saying okay well this is this is not what christianity is mm -hmm. and so that that already helps um you know the general consensus of understanding right and it provides uh, a bit of relief for a lot of people in the secular world to see okay yeah there are christians who are engaging with this that are against it um, but also, um, to a lesser extent, you're likely to uh, receive engagement from people who are coming across this video, maybe from a religious context, who are maybe on the fence. Mm. Um, and so uh, these, you know, these these folks are going to come in here and say, okay, well, okay, so I saw this and I thought, okay, maybe it makes sense or whatever. But now you're debunking it and proving it, you know, point by point in this theological way. That makes sense. Okay, now I'm convinced that that this is this is not what I thought it was, or, or this is, um, this is not the answer that I thought it was, or maybe this is not, um, maybe my understanding of Christianity is, is limited because you have just proven this, right? Um, you know, that in and of itself can really help change people's minds, uh, and, and it is really advantageous. Of course, you're going to get engagement from people who are, you know, pro-hate, I guess, pro-Christian hate, um, <laughs> or you know just hateful christians or biblians um and you know it's it, there there's going to be some negative um feedback that you will get from these people but then again that provides i guess <laughs> more content to engage with to debunk which uh progresses the narrative that there are progressive christians around so it's it's you know a certain amount of emotional labor associated with it oh, but sure. personally i think if you are Especially if you are in ministry and the idea of education um, and, uh, you know, faith formation uh, and education, which is a, a very large part of ministry, especially congressional ministry, um, you know, that kind of that kind of engagement is, I think, really important. I, I think that kind of stuff is, is really it is educational mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that is part of ministry obligation. And so it's, it's just one more tool that you can utilize to provide a wide net for educational faith formation which mm -hmm. is a part of ministry which is which is literally part of the job description so i i think there is a certain level of obligation to utilize the tools that you have in order to do that and this is a this is a very you know low labor intensity um way to do it mm -hmm. yeah i wonder those, those are really good points and i wonder if like a good way to kind of end with then to be also going into like for people who are interested in getting into digital ministries what maybe tips or things uh perspectives we could give them uh to help them on that journey and i know i definitely have one which actually isn't for clergy it could be but also maybe for folks who are um especially for digital natives, you know, young people who want to help contribute to uplifting these progressive voices, or if you found a church that, um, you know, you think is really lacking in their online content um, and could be doing a lot better, I would, like, highly encourage folks to offer services and, like, even volunteer yeah. and, yeah, bring it up to the pastor, like, hey, I think you could do really well online and maybe help create content for them because I think that a lot of these folks maybe would like to or know that there's reach there but don't know how um whereas it's maybe easier for digital natives to um, apply that kind of knowledge to spreading the word of that pastor so that would be my tip is like if you're interested in this world like find a church that you believe and align with their beliefs and like help them promote their stuff online yeah and i think uh you know if, if i were to provide recommendation to clergy to ministers to pastors um, what I would say is, uh, you know, a lot of congregations are looking 
for ways to engage with youth and to find uh, youth to join the communities and such, this is where they are. They are within these digital spaces, these digital communities. So utilizing these tools and engaging with youth online in these digital spaces um, and not, you know, treating them like kids, but also like, you know, just critical engagements of ideas in these digital spaces, just as they are doing, just as they are already doing, just as they are already consuming, you know, engaging in these digital spaces is where you're going to and how you're going to find youth in your community and engage with them. And that is, that is the biggest tool that you can utilize because that's where the youth are. You're trying to find, you know, you're trying to put up posters for, you know, youth groups or whatever um, in local high schools or local middle schools. That's all fine and dandy. But engaging with digital spaces will provide a wide net for engagement and critical analysis that will provide you the context you need to engage with youth. Yeah, and I would also like to add to that and how you can engage better is like consume content and get on those TikTok algorithms of TikTok, something you want to do and see how youth present their ideas and present their thoughts and feelings. One of those ways is story times. Like you could do a story time of something that happened in your church, um, something interesting. Uh, you could make silly references. Do Learn a TikTok dance. I don't know. Do something that's with the trends. <laughs> Mostly not just to do it for the sake of doing it, but like, again, if you have a creative person that can kind of string things together, such as like stringing your passions and what you do and can string, it, string that along with a modern day storytelling tool, honestly, is what it is. How are people formatting the, their ways of storytelling and sharing information nowadays? If you can format it in a similar way, then that will help the algorithm, you know, use that sound that other people are using and that that's trending and see if that sound applies to any of the things you want to share and use that. Precisely so. I mean, like, you know, uh, every every pastor or minister or, um, you know, faith leader uh, from their training will know that, like, you know, to write good homiletics, uh, you know, to write good sermons, um, to write good prayers, you need to be consuming those. You need to be reading good prayers. You need to be reading or listening to good sermons or good public speaking, public engagement. Um, you know, it's the same for any, any writer will tell you, you know, the way to be a good writer is to read good writing. Um, you know, it's the same thing. So, you know, engage with these social media uh, platforms and see what is what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses? What is what is the bounds of the medium and what is the constraints of the medium? What is what are the the unwritten and written rules of the medium? You know how do people engage with it, and that will provide an understanding of how you can you know properly utilize these tools yourself. Have fun with it's it. As simple as that. Get yeah, on exactly. there and, and have find fun content you like. Exactly. Just go for it. Yay! Uh, yeah. Doug, is there anything you want to promote? Maybe social media platform related <laughs> before we hop <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, uh, as always, uh, you can check out uh, SEM's social media. Uh, we're at SEM Canada um, on Twitter, uh, SEM Canada on Facebook, and I think at SEM Canada um, on Instagram as well. Um, you can see, uh, I guess, like my digital social media stuffs um, at Dunksterable. Um, you know, you can see, uh, my, my stupid TikToks if you want, um, to, to see how I'm engaging with things, I guess. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, if anyone here is interested in, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, meta narratives, world building, um, you can check out my other work, my other podcast, uh, cast without trace. Uh, you can find that, uh, anchor.fm slash pod CWT or anywhere you get your podcast, just type in, uh, cast without trace. Uh, you can find us on social media um, at uh, PodCWT on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. And uh, yeah, please uh, also engage with with our with our social media for SEM and um, you know rate us rate us uh, five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts uh, so we can be uh, further progressed in the algorithm so that people can hear. <laughs> Uh, that we, you know, exist and uh, there are, you know, leftist uh, Christian podcast creators uh, providing content every every few weeks. Yes, and we wouldn't be here without y'all 
who listen and let us know in person that you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to offer your support. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah. And unlike most social media platforms and such, uh, podcasts are uh, very uh, little uh, algorithm based. So, um, you know, word of mouth is always uh, the best way to expand our network. Um, so if you have anyone that might be interested in uh, in listening to our rants and rambles and, and our soapbox uh, declarations, um, then, uh, yeah, please recommend us to a friend or uh, share us on social media or, uh, you know, write our names in the sky if the spirit calls you. And you have the money. And you have Actually, the money no. Because, yeah. Can I? If you have the money to do that, can you just donate it to SEM Canada? Go to www.scmcanada.org slash donate. And, you know, we can take care of the advertisement. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. Precisely so. Um, and until next time, I guess we can say bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Spirits Rising. You can listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Our thanks to the Student Christian Movements for supporting this project, and especially to the SEM York's partnership with St. Theodore of Canterbury Anglican Church and the Diocese of Toronto's REACH grant. Thank you.